This my take, I'm coming in hot, right in your face The moment can't wait, I'm running the race and you running in place Where you going, man? Speak with your chest, say it with pride, I move to the left I'm known as the best, and it and it threat, just the promise I kept Ah, kick that, shoot those, you stare, shoot smoke Pass cross, I'm go Like Messi, Naldo, Jordan, the ring zone Tyson, the ring though, and me, Pepito and welcome back to Pepito's Take. Uh, first off, uh, I want to thank you guys for listening to our last episode. Please subscribe below. So today, I have a guest with me. As you can see, I got my man here, Artie. What's up, Artie? What's up, Jerry? How thank you, you. Thank you. Thank you for being here, man. I appreciate that. Um, Artie is a big, big soccer fan, and um, I discovered it actually last night that you were a huge soccer fan, bro. And you know how? How? You sent me the script for today, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. And you gave me points that I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> Literally, I was like, what's this guy talking about? So I could tell that you're so really, you know, into the game, uh, so in tune with everything that's happening, not only uh, not only Serie A, but also the English League, uh, any other league possible. So um, it's good to, you know, be here with you and, you know, talk shop, talk about, um, you know, soccer and what you do in the soccer world. Um, I, I know now you're coaching young kids. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. I do coach at, um, at a slew of different, um, enterprises. One will call it. I work with a soccer club. I work with a training company and the whole goal is just to make sure we ensure the best training possible for the next generation coming up. You know, that's like the main goal of it. That's cool. That's cool. And also you do, uh, you, you do a lot of media stuff for sports on the side, right? I mean, that's how, that's how, uh, we actually got connected because, um, you know, he's doing, uh, he's actually, he does all the media stuff here for me. Um, and, um, and uh, you know, also having somebody who knows the game, like how he does, right? It's always fun to always talk back and forth. So we did these last couple episodes, right? So I'm talking to him um, after the episodes. And I'm like, bro, like this is stuff that we should be talking on air. I know, right? Like- so it's like, so it's like, all right, like this episode, I wanted you to be here. I want to talk shop as you see it a different way than I do in certain things, right? And that's the most beautiful thing, right? When there's like different opinions about soccer, there's never like a right or wrong, right? You you could always learn, yeah, I played the game, blah, 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 I've been here all my life. But listen, I could also learn from you. I could also learn from you. So don't be scared to come at me. You oh, no, trust me. There's plenty of times <laughs> where like while we're recording, I'm behind the camera, I'm just like... I saw you nod a couple of times. I, I saw you I, nod a couple I, of times. I don't know, I nod, but there's a couple, I'm just like, okay. You know, like, <laughs> Should I edit this? <laughs> Love it, man. Love it. Love it. So, listen. Talk to me a little bit about yourself. You, uh, uh, you're in the game. How how did you fall in love with this game of soccer? So, tell me a little bit about your back. So you're saying so like, like football has been around my life for all of my life, and the earliest memory I have, you will not believe the earliest memory I have, and it's tied to like sort of emotional part of my life. Because when I was like four or five years old, the one thing I always did was I'd always spend the weekend at my grandparents' house, guaranteed, always there, right? And they would always be there with their friends who would always come over, family, whatever. And it'd be like me watching the TV while they're in the background, just like talking shop, you know, whatever, whatever. The TV would always snap my attention, right? And, you know, they always sit there and talking and talking and I'm watching it. And I'm like, it's a May United game. Surprise, surprise. And I see it's like, you know, everyone remembers those blue kits with like, you know, the red trims on the top, the old Nike logo, like Nike era May United never. <sighs> Beautiful. But, um... No, so anyways, I, I see Rude Reynes right up top doing his thing. And he gets subbed off. And the thing that really caught my eyes when the commentator said, originally from New Jersey, I'm like, yo, pause, hold on, what is going on here? 
And then I see Giuseppe for the first time in my life get subbed on, and then he scores on his debut. It's like, talk about like, talk about like the most magical thing, right? So that's like one of my earliest memories of football. It's like crazy how it's full circle now. Um, but then also like the moment that made me fall in love with it, I told you this before. I'm sitting there again at the grandparents' house, everyone behind me talking shop, whatever. And, you know, I'm watching it. It's February 12th of 2011, okay? Damn, <laughs> was, bro. You remember even the date. Well, because it, it's on the shirt. So I'm going to explain it just a moment. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so the thing is that I'm sitting there watching, watching, and I see Scolzi plays a beautiful big ball wide to Nani. Nani dribbling down, cross to Dwayne Rooney, bike back in the goal. Manchester Pretty. Derby. Like, those were the oh, Derby days, you know? And, like, that, that kind of stuff is ingrained in my memory. It's what made me truly fall in love with this game. Mm-hmm. And especially, like, when you have those moments of, you know, falling in love with it and those early memories. And, you know, sometimes, like, those people who are in those memories, you aren't with you anymore. So, you know, like, it sucks. But sometimes it's one of those happiest moments you have with them, with you, you know? Exactly. So it's it's a cool thing. But, yeah, football's been around my life for most of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just sort of how it's been for me. And the love I have for it and the way how I sort of like delve into it deeper because obviously as someone who's taking the coaching reins now and working in media, you have to know more than everyone else. Like you have to find a way to develop more than everyone else, right? That's sort of like the big key there. And I see this a lot when it comes to either the teams I coach at with uh, the soccer club, the training company, even the high school I'm working at right now for varsity soccer. So that's sort of like the big things that I'm trying to take in and put into there. And also give myself some credibility because, again, like, for example, if it's me going on CBS Colossal Show, maybe one day, who knows? Um, <laughs> Listen, one day. You have the voice, you know your stuff, so it could happen. One day. That's what I'm saying, one day. Um, I'm never giving up on that. But, no, but, like, one day. And, uh, like, that kind of stuff, you need to know if you weren't a professional or you haven't been that journalist for, like, 15-plus years who's broken all the big stories. Like, a Fabrizio Romano, doesn't matter how good he was at ball, he knows everything. No one's going to question him. That guy has grown an empire. Yes. Like Fabrizio Romano. Man, I remember when I was younger, he was just a normal journalist, small journalist, doing his thing, getting it. Bro, he just blew up. And it's crazy, though, because people like Fabrizio Romano, right? He's a great guy. Mm-hmm. Loves the guy. Really, really humble, even though he still has, you know, he has his millions of fans. Really humble dude. Um, but it just tells you, like, like today's times in saga, right? He talks about what? Transfers, correct? Mm-hmm. And with transfers comes money, comes the number games, right? So somebody who uh, gives news about transfers and contracts and left and right transfer fees, which are hundreds of millions or whatever it is, right? That's what people like today. That's what people want to hear, right? Wow. And I get that. That's cool. That's great. Um, I just wish that, you know, I think I, t- I said this like a million times in my podcast. I just wish the game was going in a different direction. But listen, if the times are those today, then we have to adapt, correct? We have to try and accept it. It's hard for me to accept, right? But we have to try and accept it that today's fan cares more about the young fan. The young fan cares more about the money, the contract length, the transfer fees, um, there's no more a Paolo Maldini, there's no more a Francesco Totti or an Alessandro Del Piero, right? That are there, uh, the Scolzis and all these people, right? That are there, Rooney's, for years and years and years on the teams, correct? Um, just because it doesn't create any more buzz. There's no more, there's no more that loyalty because 
when there's money, a lot of money involved, that's when loyalty slowly dissipates, right? And um, and that's what, you know, seeing this guy, Fabrizio Romano, which I said, great dude, um, having that type of platform and, you know, banking on it because you have to live in the times that we're in today. The dude's doing great. But I think also with Fabrizio, it's, I don't think it's because people are obsessed with the transfers and the numbers. I think it's more so the fact that they can trust them. Because well, who's because who because who's whose mouth can you really trust nowadays in football? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like these owners will say one thing, but then they'll do another. These managers will give like a political sort of response. Even like for example, like Gary Neville as a pundit, like he sometimes even has to give these political responses because he doesn't know what the right thing to say. Yeah. Whereas like the average football fan could be like, "I'm not too sure about this." What's Fabrizio saying? The guy who's like the most trusted, also vets all of his information. Yeah. Anytime like there's something he receives, like. From like doing a lot of research trying to figure out what he does, it's like goes through vets, through vets, through vets. Like everything is trusted, sourced. And I think that's where people sort of have that enamored towards him because, sure, like they want to see the people make the money and have all this kind of stuff. But I think they more just want to know who to trust to hear stuff. Yeah. I mean, listen, you have to go through your due diligence when you give these crazy, uh, this crazy info, right? And there's a lot of people here in the US with the basketball. And the NFL, they go to certain people when they want that information. And that's how you build a trustworthy um, type of, you know, aura, like, around you uh, when, when when it does come to these breaking news, right? Um, so, basically, what you're saying is that you want to model yourself around a Fabrizio Romano instead of a Gary Neville, pundit-wise. Yeah, pundit-wise, I think, because I just... Because the problem is that, like, when it's, like, you know, ma match of the day or when it's, like, Monday Night Football over in England, like, when you watch all those sky clips, yeah. a lot of it is just, like, it's, like, generic statements. Okay. And it's, like, stuff that's Because repetitive. they don't want to hurt, I guess, people's exactly. feelings because they have a lot of, they have a lot of relationships with, maybe Gary still has a lot of relationships with, you know, new, uh, with Manchester United. Maybe Al Alan Shearer still has a lot of connections with Newcastle, oh, no, so they're course. never going to, they're never going to. And that's why, like, I still respect it, and that's why I love when they, like, for example, when Gary does the overlap or he does stick to football and stuff like that. Like, that stuff is good, but my bigger gripes actually are with the American pundits. Because the problem is, is that I, I think that, and that's why I want to break into it more and more, because when you, which is why I've sort of been favoring the media stuff more than the coaching stuff lately, is that when you see these guys talk on TV, like, like an Alejandro Moreno, like, guy played for Columbus Crew, had a, had a professional career, like, you know, good for him, all that kind of stuff. But the way how he just talks about stuff, it feels like it's sensationalist. It's not like, here's my honest opinion, and here's what my experience has brought you, you know? And I feel like that's, like, the biggest problem with American football media at the current moment because it's so young in its infancy. I think that's the biggest issue. That's a good point, man. That's a good point. Listen, I hope you're the one to change that. I hope you're the one to change that. Uh, beef between Artie and uh, Ed Moreno. I'd love to hear that. I'll YouTube back you up. Fight? I'll, take I'll, <laughs> I'll back you up any day, any hour of the day, man. Um, that's funny. That's great. But you know, it's kind of interesting that you're kind of talking about the the pundits and the people who actually do speak on the game. This, I feel like more than anything, there's a lack of shows. So there's a lack of, um, you know time on TV where maybe you could give extra people, uh, you know, time in front of the screen to voice their opinion. So instead of having the same ones that you see on ESPN or maybe on CBS Golasso, maybe, hey, maybe there should be some other shows on different networks to where, hey, 
let's get some more people rolling, right? Instead of hearing like the same old ones, the same old ones. Um, because if you look at like American sports here and like football, let's just say, right? Mm-hmm. Bro, I don't know how many analysts, how many like pundits there are, ex-players that get into it. There's like so many, bro. There's so many people. If it's on ESPN, if it's on Fox, if it's like podcasts, like is, is there any player... I guess not, besides me, that are doing podcasts in English here in America, trying to tell the game. I don't know. I feel like you, you have, know I mean, more. You have Lexi Lawless, but no offense. I, I don't I don't listen to him. I, I don't like him at all. I, I'm glad we're on the same page on that. I don't like him at all. Um, No, but, like, you do hear these, uh, like, these interviews. Like, for example, TNT does a really good job because they've taken that Sky Sports model. Because what Sky's done oh, wait, really they, they well. Wait, they do what? Wait, tell me, because I don't know what TNT does. Oh, so, like, they, because I think they're with... um with like Bleacher Report and stuff like that and how they have those shows for like the Champions League and stuff where they'll have like your... Oh yeah, Steve Nash was on it, right? Yeah, they'll have like Steve Nash, but they'll also, they'll have like your uh, your your Jamie characters and stuff like that. Like they'll bring in the different footballers and they're following that Sky Sports model because what Sky Sports has been doing really well lately and you know, and this is something I've sort of tried to model myself under is that they have a lot of these online digital shows that work very, very well. Like, for example, uh, Saturday Social. Uh, again, I don't want to get free promo to people. I feel like we should be paid for this kind of stuff. But, <laughs> but for example, Saturday Promo, uh, no, Saturday Social, um, I follow that show because I followed a whole bunch of those guys in their individual careers. Wait, tell me. Listen, I don't follow this stuff. So tell me, who's on Saturday Social? Okay, so the biggest guy for me is Joe Tomlinson. He's one of the main hosts with this... Uh, his name is this in America first of all no this is England I was about to say I'm like England wait so does, there that's are, what I'm saying so I'm about to say there are shows in America but you're talking no, about Europe England's doing it very very well that's what I'm saying Sky Sports has the model and that's what I'm saying bro let's bring this stuff to the US Yeah. because like everything today is social everything today is all digital digital right? bro I don't see nothing when it comes to podcast that it that is dedicated to soccer there's the one that Kate Abdo does with, with the guys uh, on CBS is called uh, I forgot what it called it's on the CBS uh, Golasso no, I know exactly what you're talking about yeah. it's a really good show but which yeah, is yeah. awesome right they have they have some they deep like conversations with Clint yeah, Dempsey like exactly. some good episodes there. Yeah, yeah Josie was there too Josie Alto so like they have some good stuff there Um, and uh, I appreciate that I like the effort I want to see more of that right because like you said we only have a few people that are talking about the game on TV if it's ESPN if it's CBS, if it's, uh, well, it's Fox, whatever it is, right? But it's the same voices. Mm-hmm. It's the same voices. And I feel like, I'm with you, man. Some of those voices, I don't like. Some of those voices are just like, I don't agree with a lot of the stuff that they say, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and like you said, it's not really, it's a very political, sorry, it's a very politically correct type of way of answering questions. Mm-hmm. When you have your own platform like this, man, you can just say what the hell you want to say, right? And... And yeah, like this is this is your platform. Like you are the boss of what is happening. You say what you want. Uh, you're in a, in an environment. Listen, we have nobody here, right? It's just me and you and a couple of people behind, and that's it. All right, that's all. Yeah. That's really it. So you feel comfortable just saying what whatever it is that you want to say. Um, and I think we need more of that in the soccer world, right? Yeah. Trying to copy, like you said, maybe England does it well. I follow I follow uh, the overlap. I follow Gary and Roy Keane that they do their stuff. I follow Rio Ferdinand. He's got a great. This is a good blend of great. like between like, not like the armchair fans, but the guys who again follow the sport religiously, and they sometimes they have the eye test, but it's not as trusted as let's say the eye test of uh, Gary Neville. Yeah. But they do enough background work where it's sort of like they moneyball it, where they look at the stats, they see okay, 
my eyes show me this. How can I prove this? I think that's the biggest thing right now is that they've been able to give proof and not make it seem like they're just reading a stat sheet the whole entire time. But the one person who I think in, in America has been doing it very, very well in giving their opinion um, in regards of like podcasting and stuff was um, I think the recently ended show. I'm not sure if it's still going on. Uh, it's called Laid Out Podcast with Connor Laid. But for me, it's Bradley Ray Phillips. Oh, yeah. So, Brad, shout out, Brad. I love you. Um, so, Brad actually works at uh, New York Rebels right now. He's the assistant coach Rebels, too. And he was and and he was doing the uh, he was doing laid out podcast with Connor Laid, and the, the yeah Connor man yeah I and, with and, Connor and the thing is the thing that impressed me the most with Brad with that was when they had Thierry Henry on, okay. and that interview like the way how like Brad was asking questions you know like figuring things out like that one really caught my attention, and also like I met Brad in person because my brother works with him and he's like cool dude like like the mo- like the first time the first time when like for example like me growing up as a Rebels fan as well. Like the first time when like Bradley Redfield daps you up as like one of the boys and you're like, what is happening? <laughs> legend legend for Rebel, man. Crazy. A legend. That must have been great for you. And what's the legacy he comes from? Like, I think what, like him and his brother Sean, they're Ian Wright's kids, right? Am I mistaken? That is that that's that's how it is? Think about it. Like that's that's called talk about football heritage. Like that's football heritage right there. That is crazy. And you know what? I didn't know that Connor and uh, Brad did have a podcast. Yeah, I think it was primarily Connor and then Brad would be on How long has that been? Um, I can't remember how long it's been for. Bro, but too like much said, free promo here, bro. Too much I, free that's promo. That's what I'm saying. Gosh, what, what are we I'm saying? doing? But like for Brad, I'll give it. For Brad, I definitely will. Anyone else? Uh, hit up his email. Hit up his Instagram. Slide the DMs. We're charging from now on. We we've tapped out for the year 2024. No more free promo. That's it. All right. Love it. But you know what? That's 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 what I want to see. I want to see more players get in front, talk their talk, experiences, what they think about certain situations, and just just off the cuff, man. Nothing with a script in front of you and you're talking about it like maybe how these major networks do, right? Um, because you want to see authenticity, correct? And um, I think people are tired of just seeing, you know, uh, what they see on TV. They Everybody's going to, to this digital, to this digital world, right? Um, if you see it in, in other sports, in American football, in um, basketball, everybody's got podcasts, bro. Yeah. And people are tuning into that more than what they're listening to um, online, excuse me, uh, than on TV, bro. With ESPN, they're listening to more on that. Like it's 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 more. You have people that are playing, and then they finish the game, and then they're on their podcast. With so Draymond Green, you got Micah Parsons, you got uh, you have uh, some other. Like the world it's crazy. Perfect. It's authentic. Yeah. Like TV, there's a lot of corporate behind it. There's a lot of things. Whereas, like for example, like when you do a podcast, like this is more intimate of a setting. Like, and also with the podcast, it's not live to TV, or it's like. It's tough with that because, like, for example, when I've done like radio shows for a very long time now, and when stuff goes live to air, it's tough to control what people want to say and don't want to say. And for example, that professional player, if they're coming fresh off a game, they might still have a little bit of that adrenaline or that heat in them. People love that, but sometimes it'll bite them. It will get them in trouble. Yeah, exactly. It'll get them in trouble. But at the end of the day, bro, it's like your show. Like it's your show, and you're gonna say what you want. And listen, if people don't want to show it on their TVs and on their shows on the ESPNs or Fox Sports, who cares? Guess what? People are going to log into your show. They're going to log in onto your Instagram, log in onto your, onto your YouTube. Mm-hmm. And there you go, bro. You have your you have your players that are giving their opinions on what they think. And like we said, it's authentic. I want to see more of that. I want to see more of that. I don't want to see the same faces like how we've been saying, right, on these shows that talk 
a lot of gibberish that really is like really it's all fluff it's not really like it's just like a script i'm saying my stuff and then i'm out right i have my boys uh at the cbs show and i'm i'm giving them a shout out they do an amazing job you have marco messina you have mike grella mm -hmm. and you have um matteo bonetti right yeah. and to and together with poppy they do uh poppy miller they do a great job because i went there like a couple of times right on the Serie A show and bro it's like literally talking shop it's like me talking to you like here and there and sometimes, man, it's just like, we're going to talk as brothers. We're going to talk as if we're at like a bar, mm -hmm. right? And I feel comfortable in that environment rather than like I did back in the day for ESPN. I was with, uh, I did like the Euros when I was hurt. Uh, they called me in to do Euros at Bristol. And there was Lalas and there was, I remember Michael Bollock. And literally, bro, it was like statues. Yes, great game. We love it. Thank you. Have a great day. Enjoy this game. Like, I'm like, bro, yeah, like, that's, like, they're, like, that's they're not more how like do it, bro. news shows. I think that's the problem is that they try to follow the news format. Like, whereas with CBS, it's like, it's journalism, but it's still like a, it's a live talk show. Like, that's what it's about. It's about talking. It's about talking shop. Whereas with with ESPN, you're reporting. It's a lot of reporting, reporting, reporting. reporting. I don't want to report, bro. I don't want to report. I want to talk. I want to hear your opinion. I want to go against your opinion, but I want to learn something from you. How I want you to learn something from me. Right. And then that's what they want to see. Right. That's what it was next because they're going to be listening to two different point of views and then they're going to and then they're going to form their own opinion. Right. So like that's the beauty. That's the beauty of having this type of platform rather than going on that show. Listen, the closest thing that comes to TV when it comes to debating left and right is first take. Right. I don't know. I, I like first take. You don't like first take. I just feel like it's it's either like they're it's having, run by Stephen. A. So like, you know, you have to. You have problem. Stephen A. Smith is either a Don when it comes to explaining a point. Or he yells too much. There's no in between. I feel like, because me, I'm big about consistency. If you want to have a show, you want it to be a good show, it has to be consistent. Whether it's the editing, whether it's the way how you speak, whether it's the show structure, consistency is king. And that's how you keep a lot of people in. Like on ESPN, C.M.A. Smith, he knows he has a certain day, certain time the show goes. And he knows there has to be a certain script. And obviously, you have to switch things up every once in a while. But it's it's a lot of just like, it, lately, it's gone to the point where it's no longer explaining your point. It's a lot of just yelling at people till they're, till they're quiet. More of like a show now rather than actually being a debate show, an right? Act. An act, an act. It's more of an act rather than like a debate show. And I like the, I used to like those debate shows with him and Max Kellerman, with him and Skip Bayless, right? Because they literally were going back and forth a lot, correct? More with Skip Bayless. Um, but then, you know, Stephen A. Smith, he took over. And now, like you said, it's more of an act. And therefore, what other shows are like that around, like where they have a lot of authenticity and a lot of, um, and a lot of just like, you know, me, you know, just wanting to voice my opinion without caring what the consequences are, correct? It's not much anymore. It's not much anymore. I still try to follow first take um, as much as I can, just because, you know, I continue to hope that I find that conversation where they kind of like, you know, go back and forth or whatnot. Um, but listen, all this, all this is a great time to start it in this moment right now in America, right? These shows, soccer, talk about it, talk about it. But guess what? 2026. What's, what's 2026? 2026 is where I'm going bankrupt for the World Cup. <laughs> That's what 2026 is. I will, uh, to my lovely girlfriend, I will sell you if I have to for a ticket. I'm sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> so you're going to sell it for the ticket to watch any game or... Oh, no, the final in MetLife. Oh, come on. No, no, no. Not any game. I'm not I'm not a monster. I'm not okay. a complete monster. Okay, okay. I was about to say, I, I didn't know who I have around here. Like, I just wanted to <laughs> for, make sure that. For the final, come on. Like, I just wanted to make sure that your morals are good, but I, for the final, I like I, it. For like, you know, at that time, I'll be 26. Someone who's been 
watching the World Cup, idolizing the sport growing up, anything's fair game. Yeah. Got you, man. I got you. Listen, it's a once in a lifetime thing. It was the last time they came to America, they had the final. Yeah. The Rose Bowl. I remember it was 1994, and uh, I went to see Italy play against Ireland, and we lost one nothing. Um, we were playing in ten men. I still remember it was in the group stage, mm-hmm. and uh, we literally got out of that group stage with four points, and then we got up to the finals and we lost, unfortunately, um, against Brazil. Uh, but that was one of the best experiences I've had. Yeah. I loved it. We were we went out. Uh, me and my father, he took me. It was my sister's birthday. My sister still to this day doesn't forget my pops for that. Mm-hmm. So your girlfriend will not forgive you uh, when you go to the finals. Trust me, it's okay. It's all worth it. I'm telling no, you. No, she'll, she'll forgive but never forget. There's a difference. Um, <laughs> she loves you too much. Exactly. But that experience, bro, was amazing. Like yeah. I, w- I would do that over and over again. Um, I hope, what is it, 24, so two more years, my little girl will be five years old. She probably won't know what's going on. Um, but if I could take her, but I could that's, take that's her to a bragging, World Cup, right? When you're like, bro, even when you get older, older I mean, I, 15, I, yeah, like, but I want I to saw remember 26 World Cup. But, but I want to, I want like literally, I was seven years old, seven. Yeah, I was yeah. seven, bro. I remember we were in the, we were in a sea of Irish fans. I don't know how we got seat, yeah. how we got seats in front of all the Irish fans. But when they scored, bro, everybody was jumping like crazy. Me and my pop sitting down, like you know, like scared, like not scared, but like we were like, ah, oh, damn. But like I'm, I'm, I have to ask my father, like, yo, like why did we get seats in? In the middle of all the Irish fans. How come we couldn't be with the Italian fans? So uh, I'm going to make sure that I don't make that mistake. But when I think my little baby to uh, to the game. I mean, she'll remember it. Like, if I just told you a story about being four years old and remembering you scoring your debut, I think she can remember it, you know? That's a cool story, man. I like That's that. what I'm saying. It's I like, didn't know that. I didn't like, know. You kept that from me. You kept that from me. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I, I saved it for if I were, ever I was on and needed a cool moment, I got you. I now. Um, but yeah, 2026, finals at MetLife. Everybody said it was going to go to Dallas. Yeah, I think the switch was because it's just MetLife makes more sense because of the airports nearby. Okay. And think about it, Jersey's been doing the construction coincidentally to be ready for 2026 by the highways, be ready to go, finally done. I, I know I'm sure because I'm around that area all the time for work. They were supposed to finish all that all that stuff uh, for the Super Bowl that they did, I think in 2018 or whatever it was. That was a cover-up. They were planning for the World Cup the whole time, my guy. Come on. <laughs> Oh man, I hope so. I, I hope so. But that's gonna be a mess. Yeah, Route Three over there, the new mall's gonna be. A yeah, but yeah, but they made it like four lanes now. They finally finished it. I haven't gone. Um, I haven't gone in um, in that area in a while. But, like, but yeah, that's the point I'm making though, because you're gonna have uh, LaGuardia, JFK, Newark, three major airports. People are want to go for the final. So here's a question. I just read right now that for the Super Bowl, the cheapest ticket right now is like around seven thousand dollars. Yeah, seven thousand dollars for the damn Super. Bowl. How much do you think the cheapest ticket is going to be for the World Cup final? I feel like it's. I feel like the way how they're sold is different because think so? because like so they released it two years before. Oh, they do. I think it's usually a two or a year and a half before the actual final, mm-hmm. and the way how it is just first come first serve, and they don't give it base base seating. Like they're not going to charge it as if you're going to a Giants game like cheapest chips, but they're going to make sure that like it makes sense, it's fair. But they're also why I love. That I'm actually more excited to see this at MetLife now is that supposedly they're removing like 1,400 seats to make it 75 yards wide, like a proper pitch. Oh, yeah, because it, yeah, uh, it's 53 right now. Yes, it's very tight. So right. they're going to make it 75. And then also, supposedly, for like that whole year, it's going to be grass only. Supposedly. This is a rumor. Allegedly, I cannot confirm this. I cannot confirm. But it's a potential aspect 
of having a grass pitch for a World Cup final. And you vetted all that information. I'm not Fabrizio, guys. I'm not oh, Fabrizio. Man, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm told. I, I said it. I'm supposedly, told. allegedly, there is a chance. Don't get your hopes up. I'm saying allegedly. Supposedly. Yeah, but I'm, I'm also I'm also covering myself. That's what I'm saying. Allegedly, supposedly. If I'm 100% about something, I'll tell you 100%. All right. Well, listen, I hope that's the case. No, but trust me. If it's the World Cup, there's gonna be no 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 turf in any of the fields. Yeah, yeah. Are you kidding me, bro? No, I, I don't even think it's like allowed. Truthfully, I don't know. Well, no, because fact so, check me on that. But no, I don't no, know no, if you're 100 right because I think it was. Oh, I remember it vividly. It was an Arsenal game that was like back in 2017. Because I remember Alexi Ch Sanchez should have torn his ACL if they didn't put grass over the turf. It was a game. I vividly remember this. I remember looking at the physio reports and stuff like that. And they had said like if this if there was no grass. Above this turf, that was all the cement below it. Alexis' knee should have been blown out, done. That's wild. Yeah, that's wild. I hope, um, because I think in the MLS today, they still have a lot of like turf fields. Turf fields. The NFL, they all have turf fields, and everybody's still and everybody's complaining about it. But they're saying, oh, all these, all these uh, reports about turf field and grass. Everybody uh, still gets injured if it's grass. I feel like that's bullshit. Nah, I feel like that's bullshit, man. They're just trying to cover up. Trying to. You can't tell me as someone who's like the average. Uh, by the way, I'm officially an amateur soccer player according to my Sunday League player pass. Amateur, okay. I'm an amateur. Um, <laughs> anyways, no. So like, any of my injuries in my minuscule playing career have all been on turf, never on grass. The only grass injury I got was an impact injury where I got a concussion. That's it. <laughs> You've had one concussion? Yeah, just one, luckily. Because usually everyone's afraid to go up for a header against me. I had like around like seven or eight. Yeah, because you're a big freaking dude. That's yeah, six one. But truthfully, listen, when I was talking about concussions, I, I had like seven or eight in my career. Yeah, yeah. Before my knee injuries, bro, I used to always jump for every headball against the six foot twos or threes. In England, I, I got most of them because in England, bro, they went hard, and I got knocked out really, really hard sometimes, man. It was pretty crazy. So, I, but after my knee injuries, I stopped kind of like jumping for the ball one on one, just because you know you you you, you don't want to land and uh, and get hurt. Um, but yeah, but whatever. That that was just a little fun fact I wanted to throw. Well, that, since you talked about concussions, well, the craziest thing is that's how my brother blew out his knee his senior his senior year varsity year playing soccer on a turf field, jumped up for a header, landed down, wraps. Mara. Yeah. I don't like that. I hate it. Shout out Arge. Made of glass. It's okay. We still love you. Um don't hurt me, please. A lot of a lot of people still say that I'm made of glass. I hate that. That bothers no, me. No, I don't think it's you. I think it's just the environments that professionals are put in. That's a problem. It's like you hear a lot of players, especially Rafael Veron, he's been a huge push for this, about how they're playing like seventy five games a calendar year. Like, look, don't get me wrong. Professional ballers make a lot of money. I did. I, I the other day I was I'm researching. Right? No, no, no. Of course, no, no, no. But I, I, I know you're I'm just saying. The, I'm just saying because like I looked. I I looked at the United books the other day. I was like, who can we offload to make sure we? <laughs> God forbid, no FFP. I want to make sure we're protected. <laughs> Explain to me how like some of these guys like Anthony is making over like a hundred fifty thousand. I want to know how that makes sense. Like a week, hundred fifty thousand a week. But I was saying, but like for example, yes, they're getting paid a lot of money to play. But at the same time, you can't sort of like punish the footballer because there's a lot going on and they're playing a lot and that like they're making a lot of money. Yeah, because they're bringing you in a lot of money. Like just because they're bringing in more of the advertisers for you, just because they're doing that work that they're being paid to do doesn't mean they should suffer. Like Agavi, for example, 
should not have played 75 games in one year. But that's why when there's more money involved, you have to, like I said, protect your investment. Mm -hmm. So then they're available every single game. So then the fans and people watching on TV are able to see their favorite players play, right? Um, And then the quality of play is going to be so much better uh, for the fans to watch and enjoy, right? So they think that having more games is gonna is more beneficial to the fans and to this and that. I don't think so because, like you said, right? You have to protect the players. The players are the most are the most important thing when it comes to soccer. Because without the soccer players, we don't have the fans, right? Because the fans they want to support the player and the team, correct? So um, the more the more workload we have on our legs, the more you know games we play. It's inevitable, especially at this type of pace that we go, like 110 miles an hour each freaking game. Bro, injuries are going to happen. Big injuries are going to happen. If it's knees, if it's um, whatever it is, uh, Achilles, uh, whatever it is that happens, right? It's going to happen. Then you have your muscle tears. So that kind of stuff is um, is what, you know, it, it's sad to see, but we're seeing too much of it, right? Why is it? that Messi didn't play in the game. Ronaldo wasn't there for the game, right? Ronaldo was injured, playing a million games, correct? Uh, Messi, I have to rest because, whatever, they're doing the whole entire tour of the whole entire, like, world. So, like, you know, poor dude was like, yeah, I'm not going to play. I'm not going to play because I have to protect myself because nobody's going to protect myself except me, right? They're not going to say, yeah, rest. No, they're going to be like, play at the MLS is going to be like no play coach will be like play every player when he plays against they're all going to try to chop him down yeah exactly yeah that's another like point that, right so that's another point like that. so bro you are literally not protecting the players and therefore the players themselves have to stand up and be like listen I am not playing now everybody so then you have Messi that basically is protecting himself he's making the decision to rest people are pissed off at him writing these articles left and right, but bro, we ain't freaking robots, man. Yeah, no. I know Messi is the best player the history has, has seen, arguably, right? And everybody wants to see him. And people were, I, I saw this, I saw these people climb a mountain. We'll talk about that in another podcast. Uh, on, on the next episode, we'll talk about that. But climbing mountains to come see the freaking game, like, like, to, like, to, like, it's crazy what these fans would do. But my man, it's not Messi's fault. Yeah, It's not Messi's fault. Ronaldo's injured, right? Be pissed off at the people who like organize this crap and have these players like like you said play 70 80 games a whole year like it's not sustainable for somebody uh playing at an, an intensity like we do the amount of games that we do right in such a short period of time bro it, it, you can't do it so uh i hope you're not one of the ones that is pissed that are pissed off at a messi or a ronaldo not no, being able to- i i don't think i can ever be upset about that like it happens, it sucks, and it's just unlucky at the end of the day. Like, I think the biggest example of players playing through injuries and suffering from it is, again, the guy wearing on my shirt, Wayne Rooney. The amount of times Fergie was like, oh, your ankle's busted? Don't care, I need you for this game. You know, and like, when that happens to players, you force them to play through these injuries, you force them to keep playing, 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 and you're basically just wringing them out and get as much as you can out of them. And you can't make the excuse of, yeah, we paid you $100 million or we're paying you $10 million. Bro, I'm paying, you You guys are paying me a salary that is adequate to my talent, right? Mm-hmm. Of what I'm able to give on the field, right? 
It has nothing to do with, yeah, now, oh, just because I pay you this much, we have to pay five, six extra games. Well, there's two parts of a football contract, in my opinion. There's the player. So there's return on investment in two different ways. Return on investment of the player, the talent. He's either going to get you the goals or he's going to play that role on the team where he's going to make sure you don't concede a goal or he's going to make sure he connects the rest of the team, right? That makes sense. And there's a second part of, guess what? He's going to make us a lot in jersey sales. He's going to help with the marketing for any other product we have. Our sponsors are going to love that we have him because he's going to do everything we can for them. So at the end of the day, like those are the two parts that a footballer attributes to, and that has to be respected. I think like, that's the biggest thing. Which has nothing to do with, let's add five, ten extra games a year because we want to see you more. Guess what's going to happen? You ain't going to see him for those it's next five, ten days. The clubs. These clubs get like six million a piece off of these random tournaments. Yeah. If we can say, no, we got to do this, we got to do that, I'm giving you X amount just if you guys play five, six extra games. So then the leagues and then the UEFA's and the FIFA's, they create this uh, these the all these new formats of like extra games for the World Cup, and now there's the there's the World Cup for clubs, which has more. It's just a mess, bro. Too many, yeah, too many, which is going to be held here in America, right? Yep. So that's another thing. It's back to back. So it was the Women's World Cup, Copa America, uh, FIFA Men's Club uh, World Cup, and then it is World Cup. That's ridiculous, man. That's so much, bro. So much. But we need it because, like, like again, we talked about 1994. No, 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 no. So much. How many games? That are played oh, yeah, yeah. in a calendar year. But America, you're right. America does need this experience. Yeah, because, like, again, 1994, the MLS would not exist without a World Cup. That was the deal with FIFA. FIFA said, okay. sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I do. I've, trust me, any thesis and stuff I had to write in college was all about <laughs> football. Um, so, the, so FIFA said that the United States was not allowed to host a World Cup unless they formed a, a recognized major league. Like first division, yeah, and that's why in 1996, Major League Soccer was born. We had our master stars enter in the Red Bull. And that's why I wanted you on the damn podcast. Was I learned something new from you? Thank you, my friend. Thank you. If you don't mind, I want to get to the best part of the show. Oh, the pepitos hatik. There you go, my friend. There you go. So for today's hot take, we are going to rank the top 10 best midfielders in the English Premier League. And he came up with the list. My boy already came up with the list. Now, uh, just to say, to clarify, the yeah. Premier League era. So, like, the Premier, Premier League era. era. So, like, yes. from 1992 onwards. Okay. And I'm going to say this right now. There's two names I excluded. Out okay, front. Okay. okay. Scott we'll Parker, Gareth Barry, sorry, not sorry, out of here. Park, I wouldn't have put Scott Parker. Yeah, but a lot of people are because Tottenham fans. You know, Barry, not bad. <laughs> Barry, I like Barry. Barry was actually not. Uh, I'm surprised I didn't see. Yeah, but the names you have here. No, no, right. These names are crazy. So, top ten of the best Premier League, right? I'm gonna. What you want to start with number ten? Uh, well, do we want to tell wanna them where this? our list is? Let's tell them the list. Okay, Let's so the list. The list. Uh, so we have the options of Metsu Ozo, David Silva, Michael Carrick, Claude Makalele, Yaya Torre. Park Ji Sung, Ngolo Kante, Patrick Vieira, Mikel Arteta, uh, Mikel Essien, Roy Keane, Cesc Fabregas, Frank Lampard, Steven Gerrard, Kevin De Bruyne, and Paul Scholes. All right. So I'm going to get my list. All right. You ready for this? So we're both going to give our number 10. So what's your number 10? Ngolo Kante. <sighs> Disgraceful. For me, it's David Silva. You have him that low? Yeah. I don't think he's... Oh, look, don't get me wrong. David Silva... Long tenure, 
But I don't think he's as influential. Like, again, because we're comparing them to people on this list. Okay. I think compared to people on this list, number 10. All right, whatever. All right, I'm curious to see your other ones. All right, fine. I'm going to go with my number nine right now, and I'm going to say Cesc Fabregas. That's low. That's criminal. Why is that criminal? That's criminal. What did he win at Arsenal? Arsenal and Chelsea. What do you mean? Yeah, but Chelsea, yeah. Well, he, he wasn't the star at Chelsea. But the, what do you mean? At Arsenal, he was like Ma- the prodigy kid. He won Matic He won a few things. And N'Golo Conte can't do anything without Cesc Fabregas in that midfield. He's influential. So, Plus, he has... Plus, he has Premier Leagues at two different clubs. He's got plus, two plus it's the clubs, fact but... that he's dominated in two different eras of the Premier League. But did he dominate with Chelsea? Yes, he did. You sure? Positive. Think I about didn't it. Follow when, when, he, at Chelsea. when Arsenal, when he was bro, at he Chelsea, was Arsenal was when he was, he was at Chelsea, Chelsea, what, won it, Leicester won it, then they won it again. Is that how it was? Yes. And also, don't but forget, how influential was he, though? He's, the, he's everything to that midfield. That midfield does nothing without him. Eden Hazard can't do what Eden Hazard does without Assess Fabregas. I don't know. Mate I think he was Conte more influential. All the dirty work for him. I think he was more influential in his Arsenal era to his team than the Chelsea. If you say era so, that's your number nine. My What's number yours? nine is Yaya Torre. Let me see. It's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he's a good number. You nine. know why? Why? Because I have Yaya Torre at number eight. Oh, number eight. That's respectful. Okay. So we're close. We're close. We're close. We're close. My number eight is N'Golo Conte. Okay, all right, you're not that far, bro. You, you're giving me crap about number 10. He's number eight. It felt like you put him at number yeah, but one. but two spots means a lot. It felt like you put him at number because one. Think about it. Ingolo Conte won it with a, a middling Leicester side that no one thought deserved to win it. Exactly. And That's then he went and won it with Chelsea the next year. Yeah. No, the dude was crazy. Dude and he's crazy. also won a Champions League, like, both, World Cup winner. Yeah, but... We're talking about yeah, but I mean, are we talking about only I, I'm, him just, I'm just talking about like the but they get that, that's the pre, that's the because, pedigree yo, of player. Yaya Toure, bro, he ran the midfield in the Premiership during those era during that uh, Mancini era where they won the first one. Yeah. bro, he ran that midfield. Bro. Yeah, but again, two seasons he won it where he was actually in the team. Seventeen, eighteen, he has a third Premier League title, but. He was just in the squad. He didn't really do anything. But to win what that he year. did for Manchester City to get them to a certain point, like he was like one one of their first, like that was their signing. Yeah, exactly. And bro, he literally transformed Left that Pep team. Just Pep followed him. <laughs> Poor <laughs> guy. Love to see that. But number seven, on seven. This is controversial. Okay. We got number seven for me is Patrick Vieira. It's not that bad. I got David Silva. It, it's just be, it's Silla. just because like look, Invincibles. I know it's impressive. It's so cool. But if you think about it. 2005, Mourinho nearly did the same thing with only losing one game and getting more points and more wins. I know, bro, but look, listen, I, like I said, I have David Silva at seven, right? Because mm-hmm. I said I thought he was very influential and he brought a lot of uh, flair to the midfield. Guardiola mm-hmm. relied on him while, like, relied on him a lot uh, for the, his style of play mm-hmm. and won a lot of championships and whatnot. You have, you said, Vieira at seven. Seven. I have him at six. And I understand, like, you know, we're kind of close. Mm-hmm. And I have him a little bit there, just, but just because that, like, season, uh, like you said, the Invincibles, he won that. Um, you know, bro, he was a monster. Like, mm-hmm. people, I'm not going to say fear them, but no, like, he had a presence, yeah. like a certain presence. And then he won the game already before the game was played, mm-hmm. right? So, like, for those four, five, six years at Arsenal, couldn't touch Patrick. Man. He was also at Man City later on. You couldn't, yeah. Well, yeah, it was at Man City. Did he? Did, did he? Yeah, he was. He, he was like one of those early switches, like him and Schmeichel going to Man City. Oh, okay, I got you. I got you. 
So, yeah, I mean, he's in the right time. Like, you have him at six. Sorry, at seven. I have him at six. Who do you have at six? My six is Roy Keane. You have Roy Keane at six, bro? Yeah. Well, I don't know if I like that. Because for me, like, look. I don't know if I like that. Because, okay, you're not going to like it because my number five is really going to upset you. Because my number five is Seth Fabregas. Are you? I don't want to say, but be, you kidding me, bro? Listen, 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 listen. Probably guys have listen, five? Listen, I'm a Man United fan. I love Roy Keane, all right? The dude's a brute, a dog, all right? But we're talking about in about regards what? of, like, best Premier League midfielder. I know he has the titles. Bro, how you rank Fabregas before Roy Keane? Because I think it makes more sense. This could be the last time on the show. I think it could be the last time I'm even working with you, but... uh <laughs> I know it's controversial, and I understand it's, why it's, it's controversial. It's really ridiculous. But, but like, look, 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 Roy Keane. We get it. Premier League titles, yeah. leader of that mayonnaise. Yeah. Side. But when we're talking about all around best midfield player, the titles is one part, right? Because there's yeah. some players who's going to be on this list who probably don't even have a Premier League title, right? So titles, I, I know they mean something, but again, if we're talking about all around midfielder, crucial to that team, dog. There's you did times, not watch. You did not watch Roy Keane. You did not watch Roy Keane play. I, I did because there's times where May United won a game with having a John O'Shea in the midfield. Yeah, but he was like, bro, come on, man. Like, it's Roy Keane, bro. He's like Roy literally. Keane, when you think of Premiership, yeah, but the first you midfielder you think of is freaking. You you Roy have to understand. Keane. Roy Keane does nothing in that midfield without Paul Scholes. Roy Keane's nothing of a midfield player. I am going to say the opposite. We, oui. I will say the opposite. That there won't be a Paul Scholes if he didn't have a complimentary player like Roy Keane by his side. Yeah, but then after Roy because Keane, it was Mike Roy Keane Carrick. does the it dirty work. Matter who's next to him, it's just someone who does dirty work. Yeah, who yeah who does the dirty work, right? Um, but having a Roy Keane with anybody else in there, bro, Roy Keane will still shine his way, which was that intimidating factor, which was uh, his his tactical uh, positioning. Yeah. Uh, he was always ready for that, you know, for that next line of defense if it's like tackling somebody or if it's covering whoever it is that he had to cover um he was always there bro and that intimidation factor mm-hmm. listen even Patrick Vieira said there was one person that he was scared of and it was Roy Keane yeah because that dude bro that's that why right next to each other his foot Se- seven to six yeah well yeah but I'm bro five of the guys love the number dude five, love the player yeah, yeah. I don't so know so what's your number five fan. then is it Roy Keane no my number five is Frank Lampard that's crazy what that's crazy what how's that crazy Dude, that's that crazy. You're saying Lance he won two number- premierships or something. Look, like I, that. I'm not a Chelsea fan. I hate how Chelsea. Much, how, 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 but how you much have, but you have to respect Frank Lampard, dude. I respect him by the putting highest out number five. scoring midfielder. Did, did the dirty work at Chelsea? Carried Chelsea for the longest time. Yeah, he did. But bro, he was Steven Gerrard with titles. He was Steven Gerrard with titles. I'll give you. I could give you that. But we're gonna get into these other players, bro. Frank Lampard. Amazing player, no, no, um, at number five, but you cannot, because I have, I'll, I'll tell you where I got Roy King. You cannot say that uh, Frank Lampard should be even in the same conversation as Roy King, in my opinion. That's crazy. In my opinion. Roy King, it's not about the goals, bro. Midfielder is about that that positional sense, the, the balance that you create among your teammates. Like, you're literally... You have to have a 360-degree view of the but whole field. My question is, what is Chelsea without Frank Lampard? That Because what I'm thinking about this, what is, happens to these teams if you remove these players? Uh, they win the Champions League with Di Matteo. Frank Lampard left, they win the Champions League. Roy Keane left, 
Did he win shit? Lampard was there for 2012 with Di Matteo. Did he win the Champions League? Yes, he did. He won it with Didier Drogba when they won against Bayern. No, bro. Yeah, that Drogba header against Bayern. We talking about? He was there. He left like 13, 14, or 14, How 15. How many titles did Chelsea win? Chelsea, they won it with Mourinho, five. No, 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 but I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm talking about Champions League. Oh, Champions League. With Di Matteo, and the striker was Fernando Torres. It wasn't Didier Drogba. Di Matteo was when then? I don't, I don't know the that year, but I know that it no? was. I don't 2007. I don't know the year exactly, but it was Fernando Torres, um, who was the striker, and Di Matteo was the coach. And I don't know if Juan Mata was, was there. Team. I know that for a fact. I know Lamps was there. There's no shot he wasn't there. He was still there in 2012. All right, I want I I want you to fact check that and put it on. There. If I'm wrong, crucify me. But Lampard should crucify me more because I'm. He's trusting I, that's me exactly. Was, that, that's crucify that's the both playing. of us. Instagram already does it to us anyways. Besides the point. So number so your number five is Lamps. Yeah, which was, was yours? My number five. I said Cesc Fabregas. Okay, yeah. Number no, four. Number four, Steven Gerrard. All right, and I got Roy Keane. Okay. I got working. Steven Gerrard is is at four. Yeah. Okay. Because again, yeah, I, I, I then I already know your top. Because like, right? like 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 I said, like the way I was judges is players. If you remove them from the club, what how, does that club still do without them? Yeah. If you remove uh, Gerrard from Liverpool, they're nothing. Gerrard from Liverpool, they're nothing. Who you rely on? A Dirk Coit, uh Then Peter Crouch. They won the Champions League with Coit. Yeah, but with Lampard as well. No, uh, no, not with Lampard. With uh, I mean, not with Gerard. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, he, he, he they they want. If you remove Gerard from Liverpool, he was there. You're right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But number three, we got three. Frank Lampard has to be top three. No, I do not rank Frank Lampard uh, above the Keens and uh, the Steven Jars. Was my three of Steven Jar. Um, so I have Frank Lampard at five, Roy Keane at four, Steven Jarrett at three. Yeah, but Lampard could do what Gerard did, but better. No. It's not better. Yeah. I think as a player, total player, and I do not look at the amount of goals. I don't look at that. I look at the all-around ability of a player. Steven mm-hmm. Jaro was ridiculous. He covers so much more ground. Covers so much more ground. Was so much more dangerous. I, I, I For me, Frankie Lampard was, he was a threat when it came to, yeah, scoring goals to shots outside. But as an overall player, and I'm telling yeah, you, but all the English people will tell you. Defense, the way how he would check wide for midfielders, like, he was your definition of a central midfielder that did everything. Club Mekalele doesn't define his number six role without a Lampard. No. Can't, I can't give you that. All-round player, Gerard is night and day. I prefer him. I'm going to say this. I prefer him night and day over Frank Lampard as an overall, overall player. And that's a lot and a lot of people, a lot of people that I so talk then, to agree. If that's your number three, who's your number two? My number two? De Bruyne. Yeah, we're both agreeing that. Yeah, it has to be Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, De Bruyne. I, I remember he, I remember hearing like him at Wolfsburg at first, even Chelsea. I'm like, oh, it's exciting. See what happens. Killing at Wolfsburg, class, wonderful. Yeah. Oh my God, who's gonna sign him? Officially signed, Man City. I was gonna cry. I was like, <laughs> why are they getting this kid? And he goes there. Player, he was good, but then there was that one summer where he was injured. Left foot was a little off, you know. Yeah. And then it's like he could do. Anything. His IQ, bro. His IQ is just And that crazy. is someone, if again, we just saw this in the first six months of the Prem. You remove a Kevin De Bruyne from the situation, yeah. you struggle. It doesn't matter yeah, if you definitely. have your Hollands, your Fodens, your great Grealishes, All great players, Stones, Rodri. I love Rodri, but you do not do anything you with that. You need Kevin that player that connects everybody, right? 
that, like I said before, creates that balance among the whole mm -hmm. team. Kevin De Bruyne scores, assists, defends, everything, everything, everything. Ridiculous. And I think yeah, number one, we both know. Yeah, Scholes. Yeah, if you didn't say Scholes, I would have thrown you. I would have thrown you across. The I, I would have thrown myself out of here. <laughs> no, Scholes. There is nobody who can ping a pass better, who can. Who's as much of a dog as he is? Like again, well, that's why I'm saying people don't know, but the dude was a like you said, using your words, a dog. Yeah, the guy would listen. He wasn't scared of nothing. He would go against you, bomb and and hit you from behind. They didn't care. He was nasty that way, mm -hmm. but it was it, it was masked by his technical ability, his vision, his awareness. Right, like you give him the ball, bro. You know that that the pass you make a run, the pass will be there. He. Always made the right play, mm. um, you know. Never forced situations. Uh, made sure that you know the 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 team was moving properly. The tempo was dictated properly by him. Um, and uh, schools. Everybody, you think of all your favorites: the Xavi's, the Zidane, mm. the the Ronaldinho's. All these people, the way they talk about schools, is so idolized. It's crazy. They they literally. They literally idolized. Ronaldinho said, "If there's one player I could play with, it was Scholes." Xavi was like my favorite player growing up was, uh, was Paul Scholes. Zidane, mm -hmm. same thing. So it's like, it's like the respect he has in the soccer world. Scholes, can't and I feel like for anyone touch. who like doesn't understand him as much as a player, if if you want to watch him in like the more modern game, mm -hmm. watch his game against Barcelona. Just watch his game against Barcelona. Where it was like that young Busquets, Xavi, Iniesta, yeah. Messi just breaking through. I think it was like, uh, the o nine ten season in the Champions League. Or I think earlier, um, around there, where Scholes, you just from like twenty five yards out, he's a top right corner, and that like classic teal blue Barca kit against them. Like, really, it was the most. Yes, insane. that's what I'm saying. Like, I remember that a yes. goal like that where it the way how it's the way how he yeah. strikes it, the way how it swerves slowly getting away from Victor Valdez's hand where he can't reach it. If the way if someone could strike a ball like that, and once again. Like, Ronaldo's been quoted to be like, my accuracy in playing long balls comes from learning from Paul Scholes. Yes. Like, there's nobody that. where, for example, I think I heard a story where in training, he hit a chunk of a tree from 50 yards out every time. I read no that problem. Too. Yeah, I read that no too. problem. Every time. Yeah, he's uh, the best striker of the ball that you'll ever, ever see. So also, he he's, definitely... he's so good. United had to take him out of retirement to win another Premier League and be like, okay, you're good. Thank yeah, you. That's actually true. That's what I'm saying. And it was very strange not to see him with that number 18 shirt that last He was 22, year. right? Yeah, because yeah, Ashley Young something. had it at the time. It was weird. So uh, definitely the best player in the Premier League, uh, midfield-wise. Listen, you can even rank him up as one of the best players ever in the Premier League. Um, and I had the fortune to have played with him. Yeah. And, um, yes, I was definitely a lucky person to have him by my side. Uh, so, that yeah, that, that was cool, man. That was cool. Uh, maybe next week we'll do strikers. Maybe. And if you go against me on that, I'll be very angry because that's my forte. That is your forte. But right. uh, by the way, fun fact was that when I play ball, I'm actually a left winger and a striker. Left winger? Yeah, left winger slash striker. Not anymore. Nah, that's why that's not, uh, they throw me centrally. But I was what you said. No, but I will say one thing, though. Honorable mention, Michael yeah. Carrick. Who? Michael Carrick's my honorable mention. Michael Carrick. That's a good shout. That's a good the shout. The most disrespected footballer, in my opinion. I played with him, and he was a very, very good player. But, bro, we had some bowlers on that list. That's balls. what I'm saying. It's just that's why I'm like he's an honorable mention. We got some balls on this. Listen, next week, strikers. Next week, strikers. All strikers. Right. We all know who my number one's gonna be. <sighs> <laughs> Listen, brother. Thank you very much for being on the cast. I appreciate that. Thank you for having me. We'll do this. Uh, we'll definitely do this again. All right. Mm -hmm. Thank you guys for watching. I'll see you guys next time. Ciao. Peace out.